Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Roger is the uh, former senior pastor. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to get the name of the church in Manchester right, so uh, you, you can pronounce it. It's called Altrincham Baptist Church. Altrincham. Yeah, yeah, very posh. Okay. Altrincham. Yeah, it sounds it. But it's from Manchester, so from I don't Manchester. know where those two are quite. Yeah. But anyway, I can say that because my mum was born in Manchester. Oh, right. Yeah. Whereabouts? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> she, she came out as a 10-pound pom, you know. She was only a kid. I think they paid five. But, you know, uh, anyway, but uh, so good to have you with us because after pastoring there for a long period of time, you then founded and co-founder and also now CEO of the Gather Movement. The Gather Movement looks to bring transformation uh, to cities by a network of churches and other organisations that want to see uh, the best of their cities come to know Jesus and be transformed and renewed, operating now in... 150 odd cities around yeah. the world? In the UK alone. In, just in the UK alone. Yeah, there's another 600 or so cities around the world. Wow. So, which other people do. So. And that is now <laughs> tens of thousands of churches. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, church yeah. working together as one body. Incredible. Yeah. So really yeah. have a heart for unity in the body mm, of Christ. Yeah. A longing to see uh, cities transformed yeah. and, uh, and changed by the coming of his kingdom in. Amen. So, wow. It's our privilege to have you, you here today. Thank we thank you. you. Why don't you reach out your hands? Thank Let's you. pray for, for um, our wonderful brother, Roger. Lord God, thank you for Roger. Now come, Holy Spirit, and just anoint every word he says. Let it be sweet unto you, but a blessing to us. Challenge us, change us, renew our thinking. Come with power, Holy Spirit. Bring your word to us and make it fresh and alive and bless Roger as he speaks. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thank you, Roy. Thank you. It's lovely to be here and uh, very gracious of you to welcome a, a Brit among you. Fantastic. I've got, I've got a message from a, a pastor in uh, um, Penrith who sends his greetings to Brisbane, apparently. Um, isn't that kind? Isn't that kind of him? Just sent his love to you. Um, <laughs> it's just a joy to be here and, and just to be in God's people, you know, different nations. Uh, uh, as you look around, this is, this is an incredible gathering of people. Um, we've got some, some older people here. Put up your hand if you think you're older. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we've got some younger people here. Put up your hand if you think you're younger. <laughs> well, you're younger than the person you sat next to. That's good. Um, uh, have we got some? We've got some blokes here. Any men here? <laughs> Do we have any women here? Do we have? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Do we have any uh, people born in Australia here? Oh, not too many of you, actually. Um, uh, where else do you come from? We, I met a lady from India. Uh, any p- other people from India here? Yeah, one or two of you. It's from South Africa. Yeah. Other nations? Other nations? Zimbabwe. Bless. Sorry? 
China, New Zealand. I was in New Zealand last week. But US. Oh, bless you. Let's pray for them. Um, <laughs> we love you. We love you. Uh, other countries. UK. Praise God. Did somebody say Colombia or? Wow. Gosh, this is. Brothers and sisters, this is an incredible gathering, isn't it, of people from all different uh, countries, nations, age groups, um, black, white, um, uh, rich and poor. Put up your hand if you're rich. No, don't do that. No. Um. <laughs> Ask the person next to you how much you earn. No, don't do that. Um. <laughs> it's, uh, this is an incredible gathering, you see, isn't it, where where God brings together disparate people in different, different places and we're all part of God's family. And this doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often in the world. Not, not people, well, I suppose you go to a stadium then you'll meet with people in different ages and so on, but, but not people who walk together in, in, in relationship. Um, that's what this is about. This is the family of God, isn't it? It's beautiful. And uh, your youngest children are probably in the children's church and with young people around and so on. Um, this is uh, an incredible experience of what God is doing. And God is bringing about this incredible thing where he's bringing together his family. Um, but how do we get here? Well, we got here not just because, you know, um, your pastor decided we should meet. Um, this is part of a bigger plan of God because he's gathering everything together, isn't he? This gathering began in the heart of God at the beginning of the world, the very beginning of creation. We're gathering today because we've been deeply influenced by a God whose nature it is to gather. Well, firstly, he's Trinity, so he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so he's a gathering himself. Um, and into that gathering, we are gathered, aren't we? In the open arms of God, you were gathered into that gathering. Um, uh, I, at the age of 15, you know, I was gathered in. I, I didn't find Jesus. Jesus sought me down and tracked me down and found me um, from a non-Christian background. And... So I was gathered into this family, and, uh, and as you're gathered into this family, you're gathered with brothers and sisters in other places, and you're, you're, you're part of this gathering that God is bringing about. Um, so it's not just me individually, I've got, to, I've got to be gathered with you as well, you know, for good or for ill. Um, and there's some people usually in the Church of God you prefer to be gathered with than others. That's okay, because we're all different, we're all diverse. But God will still not give up on the gathering. He's the God who's bringing it all together. And in Ephesians, which is this great book of the gathering God, um, in verse uh, chapter 1 and verse 9 and 10, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and earth together under one head, Jesus Christ. See, we don't have this disinterested private God. We have this God whose nature it is to gather. The arms of God are open wide for you, aren't they? Hallelujah. Thank God for that. The arms of God are open wide for everybody within this world. And we live, however, in a world um, which doesn't want that. And we don't want that. Our sin doesn't want that. We, don't, we resist to being gathered in. Um, we, we kind of, the opposite of being gathered is to be fractured, isn't it? Is to, is to be um, apart from each other, is, is to be disinterested in each other. Um, the opposite of being in love is to be in something else and, and not necessarily want the best for one another. Um, 
And the freedom that I suppose sin gives us is the freedom to become isolated, the freedom to sort of live apart from each other. So instead of community, we're fragmented. Instead of a cohesive society, we become at odds with each other. And that's what happens. And look at our society in which we live today. So we fight our wars and we hate our neighbours and we break our covenants and so on. In the Western world, the consumerism dream seems to be, let me keep as as far away from somebody else as possible. That seems like the consumer dream. Um, We had some friends of ours go and uh, we were doing some leaflet dropping to an event and they went, uh, one area is a dead posh area where all the soccer players live. And, uh, uh, and they went up this driveway, 100-yard driveway, and they knocked on the door and, and they, you would you like to come? No, they didn't want to come to the event. And so they walked back down the driveway, walked down another 100 yards to the next house, walked up another 100-yard driveway, knocked on the door, same woman, back door. But she's sorted all that now, she's got electric gates. Because the goal in life seems to have to be to get to such a point of security, inverted commas, <laughs> that you have electric gates. Is that a picture of isolation? But she's probably in a marriage which is struggling, or perhaps not a first or a second marriage. She's probably got kids tearing each other apart, and she's probably already isolated from her family and so on, because you know the situation. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. Um, the, the business of doing life together is hard. And we live in this fragmented world. And the consequences of that fragmentation come down to the poorest and to the weakest. That's the problem with that fragmentation. It's okay, I suppose, if you've got a bit of money to cushion yourself from that fragmentation. But if you have nothing, then you are part of the consequence of the fragmentation across the world. So my daughter teaches in a, in a school in one of the most uh, deprived areas of our country. It's an inner city primary school, nine and 10 year old she teaches. Two thirds are on the social service register at risk. Two thirds of the school at risk. One third are in care homes. You know, even their parents. Dean is escorted to school every day by a policewoman because he's at risk to others and he's been thrown out by his mother. Alice has no family because they were all killed in a fire by an ex-boyfriend, her three siblings and her mum. That's isolation. The twins were taken away at birth. They were given back to mum last Christmas, but now back in care because she's back on the streets. Every single child's on free school meals. And the police are at the door at parent-teacher events. Not because of the kids, because of the parents. That's fragmentation, isn't it? Um, She comes home every day, and I I can't believe the stories. Um, She also comes home every day and tells me funny stories, like the woman who pushes the pram to the school gates and uh, opens the pram up, and you can choose what you want. You can have an Xbox, you can have a um, a latest computer. Um, uh, She's got a whole load of things. She's going to where the market is, obviously. And if she can't get it, if she hasn't got it, she'll get it within a couple of weeks, which is good. You know, it's good service. It's kind of Amazon, (laughs) kind of a version of Amazon. Much cheaper, much cheaper. Um, In fact, I asked her the other day, I said, well, what happened to that woman who was, you know, with the pram? She said, oh, no, she's moved on to filler, Dad. I said, sorry? She's moved on to fillers. You know, fillers, you know, kind of Botox. 
I said, oh, that's lovely. Did, you know, she's got a job. Um, you know, she's done a course. Done a course? No, Dad, she's been on YouTube. <laughs> I said, oh, right, well, she, she set up, you know, she set up in, in the house, you know. I said, no, Dad, no, the pram. <laughs> she takes the pram to the school gates and does the Botox while you're waiting for the kids. I mean, it's a service. Um, brothers and sisters, people who live the consequence of fragmented lives, the consequence of a fragmented society, um, end up with that kind of survival mentality, basically, isn't it? I'm going to survive. I'm going to survive. What is it about the kids or the people of the streets of some of the most educated, most advanced country in the world and we have to feed them at food banks? Have you ever thought about that? Really? Really? This fragmented world is groaning under the curse of this so-called freedom. We are like water particles floating around as molecules having lost their cohesion and their form. And what is the response of God to that? What's the response of God to that? Is it to push us away? Is it to turn away? Is it to be angry and judgmental and saying, I will have nothing more to do with you? Well, part of the emotion of God probably is that. But the act of God, the act of God is to turn around and face us and come towards us. Because I will embrace you. I will bring you together. I will draw you to myself. This is the Ephesian God who chooses us to be with himself. Hallelujah. He chooses us. You were chosen to be with God. You didn't choose it. I'm sorry. You may have thought I found Jesus. You really didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. And he did a work in the Holy Spirit in your life, which you cooperated with, thank God. But you are brought now into the arms of God and you have found a new identity. Hallelujah. A new identity. And you're no longer alone in this world. Because you have Jesus with you, you're part of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you have the Church of God. Because you are gathered in, you are gathered in. In Ephesians 1, it says that in Christ, the sin of our selfishness has been paid for in the arms of God, open wide on the cross. And in verse 9 and 10, as I said, to bring all things in heaven and earth together under one head, the Lord. It's an incredible vision, the gathering together. It's actually a 14-letter Greek word, which I will not pronounce, because it is ridiculous. But it means to gather together, to unite, to come as whole. We purpose, the purpose of restoring the whole of creation is to find its one head in Christ. So Christ is bringing everything together. He's gathered you in. He's gathering your family in. He's gathering your friends in. He's going to be gathering your neighbors in. He's going to be gathering your work colleagues in. He's gathering it all in. This is the wonderful thing. This is the big plan. This is the big plan. He's coming to gather all things to himself, all things. Not some things, not little bits of things, not most things. He's gathering all things. Because he says, I will have it all. The, the uh, quote by Abraham Kuyper, the uh, Dutch theologian and prime minister, there is not one square inch in the whole of human existence over which Christ, who is over all, does not say mine. I will have it all. I'll have you, and I'll have you, and I'll have your neighbours, and I'll have your work colleagues, and also I'll have your city as well. I'll have your road system, and your sewage system, and your health system, and your education system, and your business system. I will have it all, because I'm Lord over all, you see. Lord over all. 
Now, that's the big plan. Now, this is the big shock. <laughs> this is the really big shock. Because in verse three, chapter 3, verse 10, it says that it is now his intent that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Through the church. Well, perhaps another picture of the church. Thank you, Nathan. Slightly more... But that is a big shock to me. I don't know about you, but I would have, to be honest, I would have chosen another plan on that one. Um, I would have, you know, I would have gone for something else. Uh, but brothers and sisters, you're, you're part of the big plan. Um, you are the city on the hill within the city, you see? You're the city on the hill shining out within the city to be the declaration of God to the city to which God has called you, to the nation to which God has called you, and you are the example. You're an example. You think, oh, really? Yeah, you are. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be anyway. Um, it's an incredible picture, isn't it? It's an incredible plan. It's ridiculous, actually, that somehow he would hand this to us. Utterly ridiculous. That's why Paul prays for the Ephesian church, that they may get hold of it. He prays they have, may have the eyes of, to open to the purposes of God. He prays they may have the faith to grasp it. He prays they may see through the vision that he will bring it about. And this is the vision to bring everything together under Christ, who is Lord over all. That's the final vision of everything. It's a very high and holy calling of the church. So lift your heads up. You have a high and holy calling. And now we've got to live it. That's the more difficult part. We've got to live it. Because firstly, we are the new community of the new society. So in Ephesians, it goes on to say, if you're going to live it, this is how you're going to live. If you're going to live the gathering arms of God in love and reconciliation, this is how you're going to have to live. You're going to have to live in forgiveness and reconciliation with each other. Now, you know better than anybody else really out there, but you have Jesus who's forgiven you. And he says, forgive one another. He says, bear with one another. Be honest with each other. Don't let your anger burn. Um, don't slander. Don't be malicious. Be kind and compassionate. Have no hint of sexual immorality. That's really important. Submit to one another. Get this great passage, don't you? Submitting to one another. Male, female, submit to one another. Fight. Fight not to have the last word. Try that in lunchtime, okay? I refuse to have the last word, darling. You may have to say it nicer than that. Because <laughs> that's what unity is all about, brothers and sisters. Um, this is the gathering arms of God. This is the evidence of God, the glory of God. Not that you're better than anyone else. It's just that the spirit of God is doing something in you that brings you closer to somebody else. That's what the evidence is. It's all about God's glory, isn't it? It's not about us. We're just a bunch of sinners. But we've been forgiven and the spirit is in us. And the Spirit moves us to make reconciliation with each other. That's what this is all about. Then we are to be the display to the heavenly realms that God brings all things together, not to be uniform and boring, but beautifully diverse. Hallelujah. So it's not that you're meant to be uniform. You know, please, God, don't try and be like someone else. Be yourself. We have four kids, and our prayer was that they would just find who they are, you know? Not that they would do something I want them to do or, well, firstly, my kids never, never did anything I wanted them to do. <laughs> but our prayer was constantly, God, who have you made this individual be? 
And isn't it incredible? You have, you have one kid and you think the second one would, should be vaguely similar. Is he heck? <laughs> Completely different. Just when you thought you mastered parenting. And suddenly this other one turns up. And then another different one. And that uh, depends how many you have, obviously. Brothers and sisters, this is an incredibly diverse, beautiful, manifold, manifold witness of the glory of God, isn't it? That we can be from different nations here and be so different. Hallelujah. We've got some extroverts here? Yeah, I thought you'd be first. Got some introverts? Think about it. Just beautifully different. Um, When we go to other churches, we just constantly walk in and say, what is there of Jesus here? Because it's diverse, it's different. They do things differently in other places. They do things differently in Africa than they do in in England. We've had the Africans arrive in the UK. And uh, I went to speak at a a pastor's church, African church, and they asked my car keys. I said, sorry, can we have your car keys, pastor? They filled my boot with gifts. How beautiful. No, I'm British, I'm embarrassed by this. So the next time I go, I take gifts for them. So we're okay now. But they then outgive me. So I think, oh no, this is getting stressful. So the next time, <laughs> the next time I go, um, I take more gifts. And then they outgive me. So my wife says to the pastor's wife, Folu, she said, look, we know each other now. Um, we don't need to do this. We're British, you see. We don't need to do this anymore. Her face falls. She says, you can't, you can't stop the blessing. So, I'm in this giving war with this pastor and his wife. <laughs> it's the most stressful thing I've ever been in. We took them out for Christmas, took them uh, to a country estate in England and, and took them out for a meal. And... Uh, And he turns to me and he says, Pastor, I would like to pay for this. I said, no, Pastor, this is my gift to you. Hallelujah. Got him. (laughs) He reaches down to his bag and says, oh, Pastor, bless you. This just a small gift, a small gift for you. Give me a brand new iPad. I was really angry. I said, one day, one day I will outgive you. He said, never. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, better to be in a giving war than in a miserly war, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know, cities are miserly places. They're mean places. But the church of God arises, the generous people. That's what I learned from my brothers and sisters from another nation. That the church of God arises, just give away and give away and give away and give away. Because the redemption of this city will be through generosity. Primarily through the generosity of the love of God. So we stand together. So we are to be displayed diversity. And thirdly, we are to be the gathering arms of God as he works in this world. We go out in the gathering nature of God to care and love this beautiful world. You go out into your communities, you go out into your neighborhoods, you go out into your businesses, and you are the arms and the feet and the voice and the tone of God to those people, you know? Because they're looking at you anyway, particularly if they know you're a Christian. They do look at you, don't they? They do. They're waiting for you to mess up. And you may mess up, and that's okay. Then you just say, look, I'm sorry. And that, that itself is a powerful thing, to simply say, I'm sorry to somebody, isn't it? In our culture? Where's forgiveness gone in our culture? Nowadays, you can send a tweet, and that's it. You are now pilloried for the rest of your life. 
dreadful, horrendous. Brothers and sisters, we're to be the display of the gathering arms of God into the culture of this world. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And the, you, you are the people doing it. Um, as a pastor, I could never change the business framework of a city, but I had business people who could. My job was to enable them to do the works of service, wasn't it? My job was to enable teachers to be the best they could be. Um, my son-in-law and daughter were trying to find a church in our area. She's a primary school teacher. He's a local builder. They walk into a church. Any church thinks this is Christmas. A builder and a primary school teacher. It's like God loves this church. Could you just look at the roof before you go? You know? But she's a teacher in one of our hardest areas, and he's a young businessman. I need them to go into a church where they will be discipled and encouraged and blessed and sent out to be the best they can be. And by the way, they'll serve anyway. They'll serve and give. But brothers and sisters, we've got to have a bigger vision than getting as many people in the church as possible and wait to go to heaven. That's not a great selling factor, to be honest, in the world. Come to church, wait to go to heaven. Come to church and change the world. That's what it's about. I was in uh, Fiji, uh, brothers and sisters going to Fiji, I was there a few days ago. Um, Just some people I met, uh, um, firstly, um, this is a slum in Fiji with a lady who herself has seven children, has taken the kids of the slum because they're getting no education and she started her own school. She's not paid because this is the gathering arms of God, you see. Um, The gorgeous kids. And they're being loved, being loved by somebody who loves Jesus. That's the gathering arms of God. That's the difference we can make. And they then took me to this other lady who is, runs a safe place uh, for sex workers. Um, some of the most uh, vulnerable people in the world, actually, sex workers. Um, she makes sure they have free condoms. She does uh, physical checks for them. She loves them. She welcomes them. Sounds a lot like Jesus to me, doesn't it? Jesus just stood with tax collectors and sinners, the people you and I wouldn't have round for a meal on a Sunday. And he stood with them and ate with them and did more than that. He stood on the table in the food court of life and he said, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is hungry, come and eat here. Come and eat here. This is for everybody It's a flat surface before the cross of Christ. It's a flat surface. There's no hierarchy before the cross of Christ. There should be no hierarchy in our churches, no hierarchy within our our communities. Let the young speak to the old. Let the old speak to the young. Let the teenager teach the middle-aged. Let the elderly people, grandparent, the youngest... This is what it is. It's a beautiful family of God. It's a beautiful thing happening all over this world where people are coming together like never before. Let me just take you story very quickly just through a number of cities that, uh, where we're seeing um, some really incredible unity breaking out where people are not only just doing this um, together, uh, well, around the world. The stories around the world. Brothers and sisters, the church of God is working together around the world like never before. And I mean that like never before. There is a unity breaking out in city and city and city and city from all over the world where the church of God is saying, there is not just my church, 
We are not the only expression of the kingdom of God here, but we have been given brothers and sisters in other churches to stand with and to be part of this great plan of redemption and the gathering in, that they may be one, one gospel, one gospel for the one city with the whole church. That's incredible. Um, thank you. Just next slide. Thanks, Nathan. Um, the next one, sorry. Yeah, go forward. Does it go forward? Yes, it does. <laughs> this is York, beautiful city up in the northeast of England. Um, that's on the left is the Archbishop of York, second highest uh, position in the Anglican Church. On the right is the Pentecostal minister doing an open air baptism in the middle of York, outside the streets. Thousands of people attended. BBC turned up to film it because the church likes it when the church works together in unity. So the world likes it when the church gets together in unity. Um, isn't that an incredible picture? Think about that. It took them two years to work out the liturgy, by the way. <laughs> I mean, the Baptists and Pentes just nearly gave up. You know, it, you know Baptist liturgy, is there water? We'll use it. Um, Nottingham Church is working together to provide solutions right across the city. Um, not just one church, but a number of churches providing whole issues around mental health and d dementia support and working together, working together. Because no one church can do it, can they? No one church can do it. No three churches can do it. No ten churches can do it. But perhaps with the Holy Spirit of God, when the church works together as one, we may get a little bit closer. Yeah. Amen. Whoa, getting Pentecostal on me. Oh, this is a beautiful project in Lincoln. Um, uh, highest suicide rate amongst young adults in our country. And the health service don't know what to do about it because the policeman takes them from, you know, on the tent of suicide, takes them into accident emergency. A doctor has five minutes with them. They're then given an appointment with the mental health team in three months' time. So the church has said, could we open up our buildings one night, every night a week and if we, do, you know, if we find 14 churches, we can do it once every two weeks. And could we just provide a safe place from 8 o'clock in the morning to 2 o'clock in the morning to listen to people? Just listen to them. And a load of elderly people said, we'll, we'll do that. We'll love to. We don't sleep anyway. We'll, love, we'll be up. <laughs> and grandparents now in the kingdom of God are listening to young adults on the verge of killing themselves and saving lives. And the police take them directly from the bridge to the church now. Hallelujah. And the, and the health service gave them 150,000 pounds to do it, which was a surprise. They were going to do it free anyway. Um, and now they said, could you, could you increase it right across the county? Here's a million pounds. Sorry, they saved the health service far more than that. Far more than that. So when we get ourselves integrated, it's incredible. That's a small city. This is a fairly large one, between 22 and 27 million people. How the heck do you get your head around that? 1,200 churches working together as the Mumbai Christian Network. I said, how do you organize yourselves? He said, it's easy. You just divide into segments of one million. <laughs> They're Indian. They can do this. They've got pastors, gatherings and ministries, and they all meet together. Incredible. In Chennai as well, and in other places across India. Thank you. Next slide, bless you. Um, Berlin, together in Berlin, a city not known for its unity development in the history of the world. <laughs> so when the churches came together, there was a lot to pray for. They had to heal the land. They had to heal the land. And now they work together in Berlin. 
and across Charlotte, thank you, across uh, um, Ride. I was up with the guys, down, down with the guys in Ride in uh, Sydney. Um, they're putting high-rise up at the moment, and they're going to they're be appointing pastors to high-rise blocks. They're trying to get units in high-rise blocks with the developers to put pastors in. Because how do you do community in a high-rise block, for God's sake? How do you do that? Um, Bristol is an incredible city. They're linking together, not just the pastors, but they're linking people together in business and education and health. Um, So all the health people are coming together and saying, let's pray together, let's pray for our health, let's pray for our education, let's pray for our business. And perhaps God would use us to see the transformation of this city. Isn't that amazing? So it's God's people doing this. And then when you get those networks in health and education and business and you network with them together with the pastors, that's when you get transformation beginning. That's when you'll see change. Brothers and sisters, in your hands, the future of Brisbane remains. It is in your hands, with the hands of the churches around you and the Christians that God has placed in significant places and in small places. doesn't matter. I met, a, I met a porter in a hospital whose job it was to carry patients to their operation and collect them. He saw his kingdom job as praying for them from the moment he grabbed hold of the stretcher to the moment he took them back to their bed. If I go in that hospital, I want him. That's his mission, you see. It doesn't have to be grandiose. Just be your neighborhood. Brothers and sisters, this is the gathering in God. This is the God who is gathering everything into himself. This is the God who is bringing people together in friendship. Thank you. Uh, thank you. He's bringing together people in prayer. He's bringing together people with a, their arms around a city. Um, you're not responsible for Manchester. I, you know, I'm partly responsible for Manchester. Pray for us, please. Pray for my soccer team, United. But you're responsible for Brisbane because that's why you're here. But if you're not meant to be here, go, you go where you're meant to be. So why did God place you here? Just to give you a better job? Sorry, God's got bigger plans than giving you a better job. I'm sorry. We're part of the suffering servant who gave his life to this world. We stand on the, on the shoulders of martyrs who gave their life for the faith. They made decisions not on the basis of a good job. They made a decision on the basis of the call of God, which may even lead to death. Brothers and sisters, we need to get serious about what we're doing. This is kingdom, not empire. We're not here to build an empire. We're here to build his kingdom. Thank you. Um, this is about humility. No one person heading this up. We're all, there's only one head, okay? I remember when I became senior pastor, God said, I've got a new title for you. Your assistant senior pastor. I thought, oh, I've been demoted already. He said, I'm senior pastor. Um, diversity I've talked about. Thank you. Um, honor. Honor culture, yeah? Honoring one another. Honor. Honor your elderly. Honor your elderly. They've looked after you. Some of them have fed you into life. Honor your parents. As difficult as it may be. Honor them. And love them. This is what we're about. We're about seeing this incredible kingdom about. The the diversity and the honor and the blessing of the kingdom of God and the arms of God are open wide to us. And they're open wide to you. And I was gathered in at the age of 15. I'm the product of an affair that my father had when he was 50 with a 23-year-old woman. I had a nickname in the family. It was called the illegitimate child. There was a stronger word they used. 
and they wanted, some wanted to have me aborted, some wanted me to be fostered, but my auntie kept me in the family. She looked after me for a couple of years until my mother could do it, and, and then eventually they got together. Um, had a horrendous relationship with my father, who's a difficult guy, very abusive, alcoholic. Um, I ended up at the age of 15 just broken, really. And then God found me. <laughs> um, and then God gave me a wife. <sighs> Thank God for that. I'd be a liability without her. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then God and my wife decided they were going to do something about my relationship with my father. So when God and your wife gang up together, just there's only one outcome. I remember going to YWAM and hearing a talk on the Father Heart of God, and they said, if you need to forgive your father, why don't you just speak it out? I couldn't speak the words. Perhaps some of you are like that. Couldn't speak the words. Um, but I did. I did it out of obedience. I didn't feel it. But I did it out of obedience, and it broke something. And then from not talking to him, literally not talking to him, um, God softened our relationship. Um, and I moved from never wanting to see him again to missing him. How do you get to that point? And forgiveness just flowed in my heart, and I began to understand him. And Just grace. You know, grace, powerful thing, isn't it? We began to have a good relationship. Began to have a good relationship. And he had a variety of illnesses and eventually cancer got him. And, and he went into a coma for the last three days of his life, hadn't spoken. And my wife, uh, Leslie, said, you need to go in there and share faith with him again. Um, I've, had the I've had the privilege of speaking to, you know, crowds of people. I've never been more nervous in my life. He's in a coma as well. I mean, no great evangelist that I am. But it's your dad, you know. And I held his hand. And I said, Dad, this is a really good time to make your peace with Jesus. Um, I don't know if you can hear me. Doctor said that some people, time people in a coma can hear you. And, and I said, I don't know if you can hear me, but say this prayer. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. And he opened his eyes. And he spoke the words. And then he closed his eyes and died an hour later. Um, and he's been gathered in. He doesn't deserve it. <laughs> but I don't deserve it. Can't deserve it. That's the gathering heart of God, isn't it? That's the forgiving heart of God. And that's why the relationships here, your relationships, are vitally important in all this, you know. Within your marriages, it's really important. Don't give up on them. Um, go home, go home today and just say sorry. Regardless if you're only 10% responsible for that argument, all right? You're 100% responsible for your 100%, for your 10%. Do you understand? So even if they don't deserve, I'm sorry, go and be the first person to say sorry, because sorry breaks through relationships, isn't it? And with your kids. And some of you are going to have to ask for grace to forgive your parents. And some of you have been abused. Um, that's a bigger grace to ask for. But I've known brothers and sisters who've been able to do that. It's a beautiful thing when that happens, isn't it? The gathering arms of God. He's going to have it all. He's going to have it all.
Let's pray together. Shall we stand and uh, perhaps we can get the band up? Perhaps we can just hold out our hands or, or perhaps some of you want to come forward, I don't know, and just kneel and just some of you just need grace for a relationship at the moment. That's good. Ask for it. You're going to need it. Um, some of you are being called to be peacemakers at work. Perhaps you're going to just ask for some real power to be a peacemaker at work. Some of you just need to have grace to love others in the family of God. Some of you need grace to um, reach beyond your, your denominational structures and embrace others from other places and, and see Jesus in them. I don't know what it is. Um, but God's gathering you to himself and he's gathering brothers and sisters around you and he's creating the city on the hill. If we have no message of relationship and forgiveness and repentance, we have no message to this world. So come, Holy Spirit, now and move amongst us. And there's some here for whom this is a, such a difficult thing because you've been through sexual abuse, verbal and physical abuse. And you are deeply wounded and I pray God's grace and healing on your life. But I also pray that somehow you'd be able to release some form of forgiveness. sense somebody's estranged from their parents particularly their mother and you have to just begin to pray that unity will come in your family you have to pray for it even if you can't institute it you have to pray for it you have to want it because God will bring you together And some of us have, have carried out things and said things about people we shouldn't have done. Some of us have made accusations about people which have been untrue. Or we didn't know enough facts or which we made a judgment over. And we need to repent. Because we, we contributed to the fragmentation. So Lord, would you forgive us, please? Would you forgive us, please? Now come, Holy Spirit of the living God, and do your work in us that we may become the city on a hill within the city. That your light may shine through our lives to reach out to others. That we may be the humble people, the repentant people, the forgiven people. Now come Holy Spirit and do something within us, Lord. Do a new thing within us. You're the God of a new thing. You break the status quo. And in the name of Christ, I break any relationship which has fallen in fragmentation and, uh, and difference and bitterness. I break the power of that over your life and I speak a new day into it. I speak a new vision into it. You wouldn't live the old vision, you'd live the new vision. Now may the Spirit of God just do that within you. 
May God bless this church as it seeks to join hands with other churches to reach this fragmented city. May God bless you. May God bless you. And may you be a blessing to many. And may others be a blessing to you. And may you grow together in the kingdom of God. And may you see the redemption of Brisbane, the transformation of this great city. May God's light shine. God bless this great city, I pray. But let it begin here in the church and let it shine out. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.